We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 55 and verse 22 this evening. You have your Bible, I encourage you to turn there with me. Just one verse, but I thought a very encouraging verse, especially in the context of our present distress and what we're going through. There's a lot of people with high anxiety, a lot of people that are suffering with cabin fever out there, uh, a lot of loneliness. And these are serious things. What more appropriate verse than Psalm 55 and verse 22, which says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. As I read this verse, my mind went back to uh, a time a few years back. I think it was probably near the Christmas season whatever year, I'm not sure, when uh, driving by, I saw a UPS truck that was stopped along the side of the road and backed up to the back of the UPS truck was a Penske rental truck. And the UPS driver and his uh, partner were busily moving the packages that from the UPS truck in the, into the Penske truck. And uh, a quick uh, discussion with them. Uh, they informed me that what had happened was the UPS truck had, had broke down and there was in fact someone to come and take care of that, but they were in such a deadline that they decided to go ahead and move everything over and, rather than wait for the repairs. That image of all of that cargo, all of that, uh, everything, the contents that was in that original brown truck being moved to the other one uh, is very similar to what we are being told to do here emotionally and spiritually in our lives with regard to the Lord. Uh, we are not equipped, really, to carry the cargo of cares which find themselves attaching themselves to us as we go through daily life. An event happens. We get word of something. Someone gives us news. We perceive of something or just a thought pops into our head. There's any number of things that can generate cares for us. And the Bible tells us not just in this location, because we're going to be seeing some other Bible verses as well, that tells us the importance of offloading just like the UPS truck was offloading its cargo of packages, that we're supposed to be offloading our cares onto the Lord and, uh, and to make sure that we're not doing God's work for Him, trying to. We can't do it anyway, but we attempt sometimes to do that. But if we are going to offload our cares, as the Bible encourages us to do here, commands, I should say, then there are some things that we need to understand, some basics. What are they? Well, first of all, we need to know what belongs in the category of offloading. What, what goes there when we talk about offloading? What constitutes a burden? Because that's the word that's used here in our text, isn't it? Casting, cast thy burden upon the Lord. Well, a burden would be any concern which generates fear, worry, depression, anxiety. In other words, it could lead, it's thoughts that could lead to that kind of response. 
it could be a legitimate concern. We're not saying that it's made up or it's fictitious or it's even overblown. Uh, it could be that you've been treated unfairly, maybe in the workplace, maybe by another family member, maybe in your neighborhood, some, someone in your community, whatever the case might be. Unfair treatment can create these kind of burdens. Financial problems. Some of you that are listening tonight, uh, you might be facing some financial problems. And, and maybe the stimulus money, even if you receive some or a, a short-term loan, isn't enough to really solve your problems. Maybe you've, you've had your hours cut back or even been laid off from your job. And there's great concern there. It could be the spiritual condition of a friend. Now, this isn't to say that we should be apathetic about the spiritual condition of our, our loved ones and people around us. Uh, we do need to know what's going on in their lives. But again, the caution here is allowing our minds to go to a place of fear, worry, and anxiety, not just an awareness that helps us to make informed decisions and respond to it, but how emotionally we're handling it. The Hebrew word behind this word burden is actually only used here in the Old Testament. Now, there's a variation of it that's used quite a bit, but this particular word here that, for, that we're looking at for burden, but it does mean this. It means to assign or to put upon someone. That's simply what a burden is. It doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation to it, but when we hear a burden, we typically think of something bad news category, don't we? But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it could be delightful news, but yet it can still create a burden for us as we carry it about. Whatever God has placed into our lot by His providence, because ultimately... If it's assigned, we know that God's responsible for that. Whether welcome or convenient, if God's placed in our life, we are to do what? We're to bring it back to Him. Now, that doesn't mean that we become derelict in our duty. It doesn't mean that we shirk responsibility. Again, this is our mental way of looking at things. Lord, I'm, I'm giving the, the care, the heaviness that's associated with this issue, back into your hands. The action is simply the intentional and rapid release of something away from oneself. That word cast that we see here. What does that mean? It means to intentionally and rapidly release it from yourself. It's, it's going away from you. Now, we know here we're delivering it to God. We're not just casting it off, but we're casting it upon the Lord. But it is important to understand that if we're casting it, it's moving away from us. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm casting my cares upon the Lord, those burdens that I have. But then we still walk around with that heaviness. We're still mentally processing it. We're still uh, having anxiety, depression, discouragement, which tells us we haven't really cast it halfway. We, we've sort of left a string attached to it, almost like a yo-yo. In other words, you know, here you go, Lord, but just in case you don't handle it the way I think you ought to handle it, I might jerk back on it, or I'll help you with this. 
That's not the mindset that the Scripture tells us that we're supposed to have. It's interesting, this word for cast is used quite a bit in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's translated into a different English word. In fact, in Numbers 35.20, as I was studying through the concordance, I found that it was used to describe a person who is lying in wait for another person maliciously. They're doing evil intent here. And then to hurl something at them. In other words, whatever it might be, it might be a rock or something like that, intended to do harm in this case. But the idea was it's leaving that person's uh, hand and it's moving away from them. That's what we need to do with our cares. We need to, can I put it this way, hurl our heaviness toward God. And that doesn't mean, as I mentioned already, that we become idle with regard to responsibility. It may mean that we still have things that we have to do touching that particular thought, responsibilities to act upon. It's the anxiety of the activity and not the activity itself that needs removing give you a good example as a husband and as a father i have a responsibility to care for my family there are times that that can be a, a little intimidating it can be a heaviness if things can be a little challenging wondering how's this going to happen and uh what is it going to be like five years ten years down the road are we are we prepared uh, for what might be ahead of us now, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be doing certain things, providing for retirement, savings, things like that, making sure that we have a, a will in place uh, in case something happens. Those are all things. But my spirit, my attitude as I go about those activities, that is what I need to make sure that the heaviness of that is on the Lord. And then I can go along and say, Lord, I'm just serving you. You guide, you direct as you see fit. Uh, help me to be faithful in my response to all of this. So that's what belongs in the category of offloading. That anxiety, that heaviness of spirit. Not necessarily the actual task itself. Secondly, what benefits are there in offloading? We need to understand that because, honestly, we're probably missing out on a great deal of blessing as we try to keep our mental hands grasping on these problems. The picture of casting, to use another text of Scripture, is used uh, of Joseph's brothers in Genesis 37, 22, when they drop him down in the pit. Now, again, uh, that's not to give a say that that was a positive thing that they did. But we can assume that there was roughness in the, in the way that they handled that. And we need to also, as we go about offloading, realize as I'm giving that to the Lord, as I'm very intentional about doing that, and even though it's difficult for me, what do I get back from doing so? One is there's the separating that takes place. It's, it's not with me anymore. If I've done it properly, that heaviness is not with me. There is some sense of distance between the one casting and the destination of the item. Let me give you another analogy to talk about a, a cargo vehicle. Let's take that 
that same Penske truck that now has all those packages on it that was offloaded. Now, maybe its route is going to take it to an island, and maybe it has to go up. If you live around here, you know where Southport is, and there's a ferry that, that goes to different locations. And, uh, and so maybe it's going to one of those uh, little islands right off the coast. Now, that truck, as it goes onto the ferry, the ferry now bears the burden. That truck wouldn't be very successful if it was just to launch out on the water by itself. So it moves on to the ferry, and now the, the, the ferry moves out. But technically speaking, that truck has no relief. The weight of that cargo is still on the suspension system of that vehicle, if you would. It hasn't separated. They would actually have to do what? Lift the back of that, that truck door up and pull all the cargo out and lay it on the decking of the ferry, which, of course, you know, why would anybody do that? But just for the point of the analogy, hopefully you understand what I'm saying. Because sometimes we say, well, I'm in the Lord, and, and I'm asking him to take care of it, but if we're still holding on to that heaviness and we haven't separated ourselves from those cares, then we really haven't been benefited. What a great benefit it is to realize, you know what? God, this is your problem. You know, I'm going to be faithful as a steward to what you've called me to do. But when we think about the economy and certain things like that, maybe let's just talk about your investments. People are looking at the, the stock market going up and down and so forth like that. Well, you might say, Lord, give me guidance and then pray and ask him to lead you. It might be calling your financial advisor, seeking wisdom from him and the multitude of counselors, their safety, talking to some other Christians that you might know and, and then making the best decision you can. But the last thing you want to be doing is going back every single, you know, three or four times a day looking, what's the stock market doing? How are my mutual funds doing? Give the matter to the Lord. Trust in him separate yourself from that anxiety that's the blessing of it believe that god is looking after you when you've been faithful he will reward that faithfulness not only separating is a blessing but then there's the settling one of the once the item is cast for a length of time there is an aspect of just letting it lie just letting it lie there's a temptation some people have said oh pastor you know I know this truth, and, and I've, I've cast my, my burden on the Lord. But then I find myself in my mind and my heart going back and saying, all right, Jesus, you know, I'll take it for a while now. Well, th that's not the idea. Well, it, the blessing is that it's separated from you, and it gets to settle there on him, not to be coming back on you. It does not eliminate the problem, but it simply alleviates the heart heaviness. There is also a safeguarding benefit that comes into play here. Since it's not just left in a spot, but on a person, right? Because, you know, if we, again, let's use the Penske truck. If we were to offload those packages onto the deck of that ferry and, and then drive the truck off, it might be a concern. Someone might steal those packages, mightn't they? But on the other hand, if they have a representative from UPS who says, yeah, just leave them right here and uh, we're going to go back to the other side and I'm going to safeguard these. I will take responsibility for them. 
hey, then the driver of the Penske truck can say, you know what? It's not on me anymore. It's in good, safe keeping. Safeguarding. Since it's not just left on the spot, but on a person, we are entrusting these issues to him. Is there anyone more trustworthy than the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you don't think that there is. I hope you don't think you can do a better job handling your worries and cares than Jesus can. But then there's also this word sustain. It contains the idea of measuring here. Notice what it says here. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. So where does measuring come in? Well, consider how an engineer evaluates the weight restrictions on uh, a vehicle to maximize its life. There's a, there's a lot of calculations that goes into this. Some people have wondered, you know, why do car engines, why do cars go so much farther than they used to? Well, if you go back into, say, the 40s and 50s, you know, uh, vehicles were, were heavy. Their body, the bodies were all metal. might have been safer if you were ever in an accident. But uh, as far as fuel economy and things like that, there's less wear and tear on the engine because the weight, the heaviness of the vehicle is not there. There is a measuring that goes in, a calculation. We really don't know how much we can bear. I mean, if I were to ask you that question, how much heaviness can you handle? Can you really calculate that? Do you really understand the metrics of that? How would you begin to even calculate something like that? Some of us, you know, it's like, you know, oh, I'm ready to wimp out right now. I can't handle another thing. Others are like, you know, I, could, I got pretty tough, big shoulders. I could handle it. But you know what? Over and over again, people have thought they could have handled things. They may not be handling it so well. They may be, become bitter in their spirit. They may snap at people around them. They may become apathetic towards God. And while they think they're handling it, they're not handling it well. They're not handling it in a Christ-honoring way. You know, the Lord knows the metrics of our emotions better than we do ourselves, better than anyone else does. I love what it says in Psalm 103.14. It says, for he, referring to God, knoweth our frame. And that means our personage. He, he knows our composition. He remembereth that we are dust. Often we, we think about God saying in the New Testament, he will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, but will with that temptation make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Well, that's true. The point is this. God knows with great precision what will be just a little bit too much for us, what he holds back. And you and I won't know till we get to glory someday all the things that God could have placed on us, brought into our life, but didn't. Because in his grace and mercy, he said, nope. He said, that is a little bit too much. I'm going to give you what is best to help you to be refined and to be strengthened by this but I will sustain you through this. But then thirdly, we want to look at what behavior in our life will help us with offloading. What behavior in my life will help me to do this? Because we've talked about the benefits of it. It's like, okay, all, all easy to say, but you know, how do you actually get around and do that? Well, several verses I want to give you tonight and some thoughts to go along with them as we close. 
And the first one is this. Make a decision that I will follow God's schedule. So, oh, that's easy. I'll follow God's schedule. Well, we say that, but we typically, we default to our own schedule. We, we estimate how we think things ought to happen in their time frame. What is a timely response? We pray for something, and while we may not say it, we have in the back of our mind almost an expectation of, well, I ought to hear a yes at least by this time. I ought to get a response by this point in my life. So subconsciously, we do have expectations on a schedule. But what does the Bible say? Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So he reaffirms it even at the end of the verse, doesn't he? Because he knows we need to have that repeat. In case you weren't hearing it right the first time and it slipped by you, wait on the Lord. Okay, Lord, how long do I wait? Until I tell you it's time, till I give you clear indication. So we need to be a people that say, Lord, I don't know how this situation is going to develop or when there's going to be a change or what the change might look like. And so I'm waiting on you. Help me to be a good steward in responding to what I should do and not miss any of the, the cues that the Holy Spirit's leading me in. But are we not tempted to set what is a reasonable time and, and wait and then get impatient when there's a delay to that? And, and it's almost like, you're like, Lord, what's taking you so long? It's like, no, I'm right on schedule, if we could almost hear God's voice reply. So, decide that you're going to follow God's schedule. Secondly, Say, I will remember that God is reliable. Now, none of us would say God is unreliable, but we do need to reaffirm in our minds and our hearts how reliable and trustworthy that God really is. In Psalm 37, verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, this is a, a promise that's made initially to Israel. But as God's people, we understand that it is the same God. And as his children, he is worthy of our trust. But what is trust? Trust is based on a track record. We trust because we, we see that the person that we are supposed to be trusting is worthy of that trust. You can depend on God from this point forward. Why? Because of his faithfulness that I've already seen from this point backward. And that's what we have to do. If we're going to be able to cast our cares, if we're going to offload these, these heavy, this heavy spirit that we sometimes have, we need to be able to say, God, you've always been true. You've never let me down. If I thought you did, it was because... I was misidentifying what the right expectations really were. Thirdly, I need to say I will focus on what makes God so great. You know, we do have a great God, don't we? We sing hymns like, how great thou art. But do we meditate on that? Do we give our minds to that? It might make a huge difference if we spent more time thinking about the greatness, the magnificence of God. Psalm 37, 4 tells it this way. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delighting in him. I mean, just getting excited. He, he's my Lord. He's my God. Isn't he great? 
and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Literally, he will implant the right kind of wants into you. He will help you as you are obedient and being enthused about God and delighting him, making him your top priority, what you're most excited about in life. Then he will help shape your wanter to want the right kinds of things. Fourthly, I will deed my daily direction over to God. And it kind of builds as we talk about these different things. Psalm 37, 6 puts it this way, just right after the verse that I just gave to you a moment ago in Psalm 37, 4. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now again, this is because we're already delighting in the Lord, making him what we're most enthused about in life. But now it still takes that next step of saying, okay, Lord, I commit my way. I'm yielding my way to you. I'm not going to try to stipulate what my career path looks like. I'm not going to try to, to dictate what my, my family progress is going to look like, what my financial future is going to look like. I'm going to let you make all those decisions. I just want to be a good, faithful steward in doing my role if I'm supposed to act or respond along the way. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. We create a lot of our own burdens because we take a cargo into ports that God never intended for us to dock in. Even if there is trouble, if we will let him ch chart the course, you know that when there are insurmountable obstacles, he is able to bring it to pass. You and I can't bring it to pass, but God can. So in conclusion, what? What do we say? Well, we need to not be preoccupied too much with planning. Now, planning to a point is good. I mean, we're told that a wise father will leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children. That takes some planning, doesn't it? We understand that. And yet, we are reading verses in the New Testament that tell us something also along these lines, like Luke 12, 22. Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. You say, is the Bible contradicting itself, Pastor Wood? No, the Bible never contradicts itself. So there's a nuance here. And I think the nuance is that it falls into the same character of what we've been talking about. It's not that he's telling us to not give thought to the activities of it, but we don't give over to the anxiety. In other words, you know what? I don't need to worry, am I going to have food tomorrow? I need to be faithful in my job today. I need to be praying to the Lord. But ultimately, I'm going to say, you know what, God? You're going to take care of me. Now, part of that might be putting money in savings. As a church, we've tried to set money aside. We've practiced it for many, many years. And by doing so, now that things have gotten a little rough, we've had a little of extra cushion money because the offerings have gone down a little bit. But praise God for all the people who have been able to continue to give by grace, even in the midst of this hardship. Does that mean that we're not trusting in the Lord? No, we're trusting in Him. But we're not anxious about these things. We're not preoccupied with it. And we need to make sure we're doing that individually as well not being preoccupied with planning but secondly do be preoccupied with something else and that's prayer philippians 4 6 and 7 says 
be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be all bent out of shape and anxious about it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, those requests that we make, with thanksgiving, there's a spirit of gratitude to God. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then I love the promise that comes next. And the peace of God. See, we're talking about the, the mental state here of the believer. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Friend, that's what God wants for you. Hopefully, that's what you're wanting as well. And you can have that because it's a promise of God. He's telling us how to do this, what we're supposed to do, and what we are enjoying if we do it. Some of you are familiar with the story by John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Progress. In that story, we encounter Pilgrim as he leaves the city of destruction, and he's headed towards the celestial city. But as he has been going about his daily activities, he's been reading the Bible. And as he reads, he has this burden on his back that grows greater and greater, and it's his concern over his sin. Well, that's a good thing, because too many people are not concerned about their sin. And so he has this sin guilt. But what is he going to do with this burden? He doesn't want to keep it. And as the story goes, we, we follow Pilgrim away from the city of destruction as he is going towards the light and through the wicked gate. We find that he comes to a hill called Calvary. And as he kneels there and puts his faith in Jesus Christ, the master of the celestial city, the one who died on the cross for his sins, the scene shows the, 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 the big burden that usually depicted as like a burlap sack, heavy burlap sack, tumbling off of his back, the straps break, and it rolls down the hillside and into an empty catacomb like a tomb. And that's what Calvary does for us. That's what the gospel does for us, because Jesus died for us. He bore our sin. We don't have to be burdened with our sin anymore. Friend, if you're listening to me right now, and you're carrying a burden for your sin, you realize... I've done wrong things. I've offended people. I have left God out. I, I hurt people that I care about. I'm way too self-centered. I use language that I shouldn't use. I'm way too self-absorbed. You realize, yes, I, I, I transgress God's law. I am not a good person. And I've become increasingly aware of this. And you've got that sin burden. Well, cast your burden upon the Lord. Jesus has already died on the cross for your sin. Turn from your sin. Trust in the Savior. Believe that Jesus is your perfect substitute in when he shed his blood on the cross and gave his body in your behalf. The Father accepted his sacrifice. All you need to do is turn to him and trust. The burden of sin guilt is lifted at Calvary. And because of Calvary, we can live every burden on Jesus Christ. I leave you with one verse from 1 Peter 5, 7 that matches very nicely with what we're looking at tonight. It starts with the same word, cast, but it puts it this way. Casting all your care upon Him. And listen to this. For He careth for you. Jesus cares for you, my friend. If you're a believer already, then rejoice that God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of the living God 
They love you. They care for you in a way that you and I cannot even fathom and wants us to be able to enjoy that release from that heaviness. Don't bear that emotional baggage. Leave it to the Lord, whatever it is. You can have that release even if your circumstances do not change. You still have responsibilities to respond rightly and react rightly and to do certain things, but it is no longer your emotional baggage. Friend, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can't enjoy this until you first come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. And I trust that you will do so even tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. Thank you for promises like this that are designed to give us life and life more abundantly. You didn't save us. You didn't give us eternal life so that we can just meander through life with heaviness of spirit, stoic mindsets. Lord, there's, there's joy in serving Jesus. There is a cheer, even in the midst of hardships. We're not called to be just optimists. The world knows about that, putting on a happy face. Lord, it's something much deeper than that goes into our very souls it's a truth about the relationship that we have with jesus christ and that you're divinely and providentially and supernaturally engaged in our lives individually every single day we praise your name for that lord help us to enjoy that benefit we pray in jesus name amen